hallelujah to you. Jesus. Jesus. Thank you that you are with us. That you love us. That in the middle of our storms, we can cry, praise you, Lord. That no matter what our week has been like or what our week is going to be like, you're with us and you love us. And we will sing a little louder because we have hope. And that hope is you, Lord. This morning, as we come together to worship you and to be in your presence, Lord, we're mindful that you want to speak to us today. Holy Spirit, that you want to encourage us today. Lord, it's not my frail words, but Lord, your spirit that can bring change, that can bring hope, that can bring freedom. So Lord, this morning, use my words to do all of those things. <laughs> Lord, we just love you and we thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. Thank you, Lord. And we lift you up. We honour you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you guys can take a seat. Thanks, guys. It's um, totally different this morning. It's freezing. I don't know about climate change because the climate hasn't changed where I live. I'm in Bullaburra and it's still cold. <laughs> um, but this, this week has been a bit crazy with the bushfires. Um, it um, came within 50 metres of my father-in-law's house at Woodford, which is not, um, not all that exciting, but praise God, everything's okay. But um, in the middle of all of that, I had my, my father-in-law, my mother and my toddler and I thought, my fire plan is I'm going to get out of here. I'm not even sticking around. <laughs> the two oldies and the toddler, I'm not mucking around. I'm out of here. But it's amazing that when you're preparing to leave, what do you take? Can't take everything. But I, you know, pack the essentials, the, the photo albums and whatever. And then I'm looking at my doll that I've had since I was one and my Cabbage Patch Kids and my signature bear that I had signed for my 21st birthday. And I was thinking this morning about, you know, talking about this. I didn't even remember my wedding dress. It wasn't even on the list. <laughs> Sorry, honey. Anyway, it's all good. But can I just say something? Have a plan. Know what you're going to do. Know what you're going to take and think about it well and truly before the fire's anywhere near you. Amen. Anyway, totally distracted. Um, but I thought I'd just share a little bit initially just about me because some of you may know me, some of you may not. And um, I was originally born overseas in Holland to um, alternative parents in the 70s. Um, my dad's English and mum's Australian and we immigrated to Australia when I was about four. So I actually used to be bilingual, believe it or not. Not now, unfortunately. And I'm the eldest of three and the only girl in my family. So hopefully there'll be the slides working. Yep, there you go, rose between two thorns. No, they're handsome boys, but don't tell them their heads will get too big. <laughs> one works for the local council and one's a police officer. I grew up in Mount Druid in Western Sydney. I uh, went to high school in Prairiewood, which is extremely multicultural. So being Anglo-Australian, I was definitely in the minority. I was actually saved at this church on the 28th of December in 1997. Back when it was over at the shops at Blacksland. Um, I've done a little bit of serving here and there um, at church. And um, originally I started on the helps team, so I know exactly what you guys do. Thumbs up. And I was so shy and insecure. I was always put on the front door to greet people and I hated it because I was so shy. Um, but, you know, 
at the end of the day, it was good for me, right? I did date a couple of times in my 20s, but um, I was single for a very long time. So those of you who are single, it's okay. There is hope. Um, Waiting for the right one is the best thing. Um, But I was the token single when everybody else was getting married and having babies. So it wasn't until I was about 30 that that I married or began dating this goofball. Now, God, only God could have blessed me with a man like this. <laughs> yeah. I tell you, there's only room for one highly strong person in this relationship, and that's me. Um, but he's the most kind and patient and gentle, and I'm going to get emotional. Oh. I'm not going to look at him. Oh, thanks, Mark. <laughs> and he's a bit spunky too. On a side note, we used to talk about you and your lovely muscles back in the day. <laughs> I got the muscles, girls. <laughs> yeah, not only did he did I get blessed with this beautiful man, but then I got he came with these goofballs. <laughs> yep, three step kids. Uh, soon to be 26, 24, and 23. And they lived with Phil and I full time, so instant family. Uh, And I married him right on the cusp of their teenage years. Uh, We're all still alive to talk about it. I think they like me. They still talk to me at least. And if you didn't think I was a a glutton for punishment enough, we went on to have this goofball. Yeah, she's beautiful. Anyway, pray for her. She needs it. (laughs) Um, No, seriously, it's okay. Um, I've worked in retail as a receptionist, an office manager. Um, I've even been a cleaner cleaning toilets. Let me tell you, they were the cleanest toilets in the Blue Mountains. Yes, pick an OCD person to do your cleaning. I've lived overseas, travelled about a quarter of Australia, camping in lots of places. And um, I've gone from the 20th century to the 21st century. Crazy how most of you have done that too, so it's not that exciting. Um, You know, so I've lived a little bit, but I don't know about you, but the more that I've done, the more that I've seen, the longer that I've lived um, and travelled and and whatnot, I don't really know all that much at all. (laughs) I think the more that you have life on this earth, the more that you don't really know much. And I guess maybe your story isn't quite like mine. Maybe you've done more extravagant things or accomplished more things or maybe not quite as much. Uh, maybe you've lived twice as long as me or maybe not quite at all, but I guess all of us have got a story and all of us have got stuff to share. And, um, you know, I've learnt some things along the way. All of us have a, have a story. And so today I'm not coming before you as a, an academic or a professional or a scholar or even a theologian, just somebody who's lived a little bit of life and who's learnt some things along the way. And I've actually just titled my message some things I've learnt along the way. And the first point I'd like to share with you is that Jesus finds us where we are. One of the most significant moments in my life was when Jesus showed up. I wasn't looking for him. I didn't even know that I needed him. He interrupted my life just at the right time. Um... I wasn't even conscious of God when he found me. In fact, I was probably at my worst 
As I mentioned earlier, I grew up in Mount Druitt and you could easily say I was a statistic. My parents separated when I was 10 because my dad's drinking got too much. He was a bully and he was full of bitterness and anger. And when my mum finally took the courage to leave him, you could say that being the kind of man he was, uh, he wasn't going to let her go that easily. So he was quite revengeful and it was bitter and nasty. And um, so that left us as a single parent family with a father who had and continues to have an addiction, living in Mount Druitt. (laughs) Couldn't be more of a statistic if you tried. Um, I was bullied in high school because I was so insecure and quiet. I was an easy target. So by the time I left high school, you could say I had a lot of baggage. (laughs) The baggage meant that I wasn't very healthy on the inside and many of you may know that when you're not healthy on the inside, you attract equally unhealthy people. So I ended up in a relationship with a man who was manipulative, controlling and abusive. So that kind of sounds a little bit similar, doesn't it? (laughs) He managed to isolate me from friends and family and when I finally had the courage to leave, I too was isolated and alone and had nothing. And you could say I was wretched. (laughs) just reminded me how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. The meaning of wretch, very unfortunate, in conditional circumstance, miserable, pitiable, characterised by or attended with misery, sorrow, poor, sorry, pitiful or worthless. I don't know if you've ever felt like that or ever been in a place like that. My brother had been pestering me to come to church for ages and I remember thinking to myself, oh, you can have your God. But... One Sunday when he asked me, I thought, why not? I was nearly single and just had nothing, nothing to do, nowhere to go. And when I went there, Ken Watson was actually preaching back in the day. I don't even remember what he preached, believe it or not. I couldn't tell you. But the whole service, all I wanted to do was cry. (laughs) I don't know why. Um. Nothing made sense. It was weird. The people were weird. The music wasn't what I was used to. And at the end of the service, when Ken had said, you know, does anybody want to make a decision for Jesus? There I was with my hand up, quick quick as anything, out the front by myself, by myself, cry, crying like a baby. And uh, I don't know why I felt so moved that day except to say that spiritually... I'd come home. Mm. Oh, I'm a big sook these days. I don't know why. Things of God get me. It's good though. It's good. A light that had been long switched off was finally turned on. And inside I was alive. Aware of something new for the very first time. (laughs) I had an encounter with Jesus in the middle of my wretchedness. That moment, that Sunday, the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, came into my life, offered me salvation and I was forever changed. (laughs) Here I was with nothing, feeling like a nobody, the most significant being alive, the creator of the universe found me in my wretchedness and chose to reveal himself to me. He found me right where I was. 
He didn't see me as pitiful or worthless. (laughs) He broke through my unfortunate circumstance to be in relationship with me. God found me right where I was. And I guess having said all that, God can find you right where you are. Right where you are. And I'm reminded of the story of the woman in the well. Jesus found her in her wretchedness. And I'm going to jump around in the scriptures that I have this morning. I'm going to jump around. I'm going to read them all for the sake of time. But I want to jump in into a few places. So John 4. And I'm just going to read from verse 4. That comes up. This is talking about Jesus. He had gone through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because the disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with the Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. I just want to jump down. A few verses down to verse 16. He says, go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus replied, you're right. You don't have a husband for you have had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. You know, the Samaritan woman questions Jesus. She knows someone like him shouldn't be talking to someone like her. She was an outcast from a Jewish perspective. Given the fact that she was there at midday suggests that she was possibly an outcast from her own people. Yet Jesus meets her where she's at. Have you ever felt like an outcast? The good news is Jesus doesn't look at that. Doesn't care that she's even an outcast. Doesn't care. He knows her circumstances very well. Yet he breaks through cultural boundaries. He breaks through social boundaries. Breaks through into her circumstance to offer her salvation. You may be also familiar with the Apostle Paul who was Saul. And we know that he was passionate and zealous for the things of God. But unfortunately he was slightly misguided. And uh, he just thought that he was doing the right thing. He was persecuting and killing followers of Christ, yet Jesus still manages to meet him where he was at. And if you jump with me over to Acts 9, we can read a little bit about his story. And I just want to pick up a little bit here in verse 3. See, Saul had been persecuting Christians. And it says here, As he was approaching Damascus, On this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? 
See, he thought he was living an okay life, I would imagine, doing the things of God, thinking that he was okay. But he was a little bit misguided, yet Jesus still, in the middle of all of that, shows up. Still manages to meet him where he was at. And the last person that I want to bring to your attention, Jesus meets us where we're at, is Zacchaeus. I always find this story comical. You can read about him in Luke 19. I don't have any verses because it's a bit of a story. He was curious about Jesus. He was searching for him so much so he got up and climbed a tree. Now, I don't know about you if you've ever been to a parade or somewhere where there's volumes of people. People want to have a look and they're climbing and scaling anything possible. So I'm assuming that he probably wasn't the only person in a tree. Yet in the middle of all of that, Jesus looks up and spots the short dude in a tree. (laughs) And we know that he was a questionable character, Zacchaeus, because he was a tax collector. Yet Jesus still met him where he was at. Invites him or, you know, goes to his house and the rest is history. And I guess the point is that whatever we're going through in our life that we think disqualifies us, that isn't even important to you know, it, you know, is, we don't think is important, is important to Jesus because salvation is important to him and relationship with him is important. He's here in our midst today willing to meet any of us right where we're at. Wretched or not, broken, even if you have a reputation like Zacchaeus, even if you're seemingly plodding along thinking things are okay, Jesus is still willing to meet you where you're at. You know, what is it in your life that you think is so big that Jesus wouldn't want to meet you? (laughs) There's nothing. Nothing too big, nothing too huge, nothing too shameful, damaging or whatever you assume is unimportant for Jesus to meet with you. He can, does and more than anything is willing to meet you where you are. You just have to be willing and open. The next point is the path is never straightforward. God sets a dream in our hearts and off we go. And I've got this beautiful book called Hind's Feet in High Places. Some of you may know it. I've read it a few times and it's a beautiful story about a girl called Much Afraid. She's crippled and her heart's desire is to walk with the Great Shepherd in the high places. The journey that the Great Shepherd then takes her on often leads her away from the high places and she can see them in the distance but the path is going this way, not that way. There is opposition along the way, struggle, and the path constantly seems to turn away from where she really wants to be. As she continues the journey, the Great Shepherd is sometimes with her and sometimes he's not. And so she feels sometimes that this Great Shepherd has forgotten about her or even abandoned her. And there's a constant need for her to surrender to the journey, surrender to the process, even when she feels alone, Faced in opposition far from where she really wants to be. I wonder if you've ever felt like that. I know I have. And with a three-year-old, sometimes it's continually a daily, if not hourly, surrender to the journey. (laughs) Those of you with children know what I'm talking about. What Much Afraid didn't realise is that path that the Great Shepherd had her on was for her own benefit. 
You see, at the beginning of the story, she was crippled, she was shy, she was insecure, totally not fit for the high places yet. At the end of the story, gone was her crippled gait, gone were her insecurities and timidness, gone were the things that were holding her back from all that she needed to be to walk into the high places. And, you know, when Jesus comes into our life, it's the same for us. Sometimes our path doesn't always seem as clear-cut. Sometimes it deviates and goes here and there. The path is not always straightforward. And when I was preparing this message, I was reminded of Joseph. And again, I'm going to duck in to little points here. So Genesis 37 And from verse 5, Joseph was the favourite with his brothers. They didn't like him very much because he was the favourite. But God shows up in his life and gives him a dream. And just from verse 5, one night Joseph had a dream and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly my bundle stood up. And your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, do you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and the way he talked about them. I don't think he was very clever sharing the dream with his brothers, knowing that they had it in for him, just quietly. So God's got the dream for him and he starts his journey. If we duck to verse 26 and 27 of that same chapter. He has, he has another dream after that one and shares it. And then this is what happens. One of the brothers, Judah, said to his brothers, what will we gain by killing our brother? His blood would just give us a guilty conscience. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him to the Ishmaelite traders. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. And his brothers agreed. And so poor Joseph was sold. Hence the first hiccup in the path. First hiccup. Then we know that he was sold on to Potiphar. And um, we know that Potiphar's wife, I think she had the hots for him. He must have been a good-looking bloke, I don't know. But he wasn't reciprocating her advances and she got jack of it and um, decided to accuse him of something. And if we jump to um, chapter 39... Verse 19, Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held. And there he remained, but the Lord was with Joseph in prison and showed him his faithful love. And I'll just stop there. Now that's another hiccup. God showed Joseph a dream that he would do something great and all of a sudden he's in jail. (laughs) Very far from where I guess he would assume that he was needing to be. But you know what? In that place, what Joseph didn't realise, and maybe perhaps had begun to realise, is that even though prison seemed like the last place he needed to be, it was actually the catalyst to what the things of God were going to be for him. And I guess sometimes in our lives we may not think that our path is going the way that we presume it should. But Jesus is in the midst of it. 
Maybe you're here this morning, you feel like your life's gone in a bit of a detour and far from where it needs to be. And I know that discouragement can come, but be encouraged because Jesus is still with you. You may not be able to see the high places anymore and you may, may feel like you're a bit alone, but I'm you, encouraging you this morning that everything's okay. You're not abandoned. Keep going. Keep going forward. Remind yourself of the God word. Focus on Jesus and don't give up because where you're at right now may just be the catalyst for where God needs you to be. God is at work in your life. And we sing a song often, even when I can't see it, you're working. Even when I can't feel it, you're working. The path is never straightforward, but be encouraged. God is with you. He's preparing you and equipping you and building you for all that he intends you to be. And the last point I want to share with you is don't get lost in the storm. And here in Australia, we're familiar with storms. We get some big ones, lots of gusto, lots of wind, and certainly destructive. <laughs> and I guess it's like that with the storms of life. They can be very destructive, and they come in so many different ways. You know, they can come financially, health-wise, relationship, um, so many. With a room full of people this big, you've got your own storm you can label, you know. And I had one of the biggest storms of my life a few years back. Death of a family member and a friend close to me. I had relationship issues. I had a fence. I had issues at work. I had a new family situation. And I felt like the situations just kept coming at me over and over again. Like there was no break. The waves of resentment, bitterness, anger, fear, guilt. Can anyone relate? <laughs> abandonment, insecurity, they were like a barrage of waves and I felt like I couldn't breathe. The trouble is that during that time, I allowed myself to get lost in the storm. And if I'm honest with you, I stopped trusting in God. Don't be too shocked because I'm sure I'm not the only one that goes through that. I stopped leaning into him because I was angry at God. I shut him out, but not completely. (laughs) I forgot Jesus was with me, always with me. He hadn't left me, he hadn't abandoned me and I let the lies of the enemy creep in and rob me of my faith and my joy. It very nearly sidetracked me from my faith, very nearly. I wanted to leave and head for the hills. Anybody ever felt like retreating? (laughs) Retreat! And I guess there are seasons in life when you know when you're called to serve and, and whatnot but unfortunately I stopped, I gave up. I lost confidence in myself and in Jesus and in life. And it was a very dark place. And I hated being there because I knew I was better than that. I knew that I was better than that. And I didn't want to be in that place. And the storm was big and it almost got me. It took a lot of strength and a lot of courage to cry out again. And you know what? It took Jesus to rescue me. If you're in the middle of the storm today, I just want to say I hear you. It's tough. You don't know which way's up and you feel like you're lost. But you know what? Regardless of what you think or feel, Jesus is still with you. You aren't lost. (laughs) Don't give in. Hold on. The storm will pass. The storm always passes. 
Don't get swallowed up. Don't allow that storm to overcome you, whatever you're facing. Don't let the enemy rob you and tell you that all is lost. Cry out to Jesus. Whilst you have breath, hope is never lost. You're still God's child. He loves you. His promise is secure. The promise hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. You are far too important for the storms of life to overtake you. The hope that we have in the middle of the storm is never ourselves or our circumstance, but it is always in Christ and his word. He and his word are an anchor holding us steadfast in the middle of our storm. And we know that in Hebrews 6 verse 19, tells us that the hope is an anchor for our soul. And I'm reminded of the disciples when they got caught in a storm and Jesus was in the boat. And uh, if you've got a Bible, you can turn with me to Mark chapter 4 and verse 35. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him shouting, Teacher, don't you care about that we're going to drown? Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Are you, do you still have no faith? The disciples were frightened. They were facing a storm. They thought it was going to overwhelm them, just like I felt the storm was going to overwhelm me. But what they did and what I failed to do was they went straight to Jesus. Don't be like me. <laughs> if you've ever seen um, Mr T and those funny videos that he says don't be like him, be somebody else he says <laughs> don't be like me <laughs> even though they were felt like, get it, like they were going to get lost and overwhelmed and drown <laughs> they went straight to Jesus because deep down they knew he had the power to do something he had the power to change the circumstance that he had the power to do something about their predicament. And if you're in the middle of a storm today and feel like you're in danger of being lost, go straight to Jesus. He has the power to change your circumstance. He has the power to bring stillness into your world again. He has the power to reorient you. And he has the power to protect you. And Jesus has the power to bring a great calm to your storm. (laughs) Don't get lost in the storm. So there are some things that I've learned along the way. (laughs) Jesus finds us where we are. The path is never straightforward. And don't get lost in the storm. So if the team want to come up. I'd love to pray with you if I can for a couple of things.
Some of you might be um, on a journey at the moment and it feels like you're not quite where you want to be. Or maybe there's a storm in your world or in somebody else's world around you that you know. And the great thing about being in church and being with church family is that we can pray and speak the life of God into our circumstance. And of course, there's always those of us who aren't yet in a relationship with Jesus. And like I said, he can meet you right where you are today. So if you'd like to stand, I want to give this moment to God. The message may have spoken to you, it may not have, but I couldn't leave here not praying for some of those things. So for the first couple of points here about the journey and the storm, I just want everybody to close their eyes and this is not a freaky, weird thing, religious thing. This is just giving people a moment to focus on Jesus and a bit of privacy to respond because sometimes it takes a lot of courage to respond. So if you're on the journey and you feel like you're far away from where you should be, And you just need God to just touch you this morning to encourage you once more, to let you know that you're not on the wrong path, He's not away from you, that you are going in the right direction. If you're brave enough to respond, why don't you lift your hand so I can pray for you? Thank you for being brave. And those of you who might be facing a storm that feels huge that you can't get out of, or maybe there's somebody in your world who is and you want to stand here on their behalf, I'd love for you to be brave enough to raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being brave. Jesus, you see these people. You know their lives. It's not hidden from you. This morning, encourage them where they're at. Speak to them today. Lord, let the fact that I've said these things be an encouragement to them to say, yes, I know where you're at. I see those things. I know those things. You aren't alone. I haven't abandoned you. Jesus, right where they're at, encourage them today. Give them strength. Thank you that the journey, even though it, feels like it's gone pear-shaped, Lord, you are in control. You work all things together for good for those who love you and are called according to your purpose. Thank you that the circumstances they're facing right now are for their good, for what you are calling them to do. And thank you, Lord, that the storm is no greater than you because you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. I pray peace to the storm. I pray calm to the storm in the name of Jesus. I pray confidence in you in the storm in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you are right with them during these circumstances. And I thank you, Lord, for the breakthrough. I thank you, Lord, for the great things that you've got ahead. Thank you, Jesus. And for those maybe who are listening on the live stream and those in the room here who 
maybe have gotten lost in the storm and you've walked away from God. Or maybe you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. But He's willing to meet you right where you're at today. Regardless of your circumstance, nothing is too big or too great for God. He loves you and He wants to be in relationship with you. Start on a journey of doing great things, not a perfect life, not a trouble-free life, but a life of hope, a life of freedom, a brand new start. It's here for you today. Again, with if people could give a moment with their eyes closed just for privacy. If that's you today, or even if you're listening, would you be so brave as to raise your hand if that's you? Thank you, Jesus. And I'd love us to pray together. And this is so that we can help those who've made that decision be, be encouraged. And I just want us to pray this simple prayer to ask Jesus into our hearts and into our lives. If you repeat after me, dear Jesus, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you died for me. I'm sorry that I've done my own thing and gone my own way. But today I want to change. I ask you to come into my life. Bring me that brand new change. Change me from the inside out. Thank you that you bring hope. Amen. Those prayer, especially the last one, isn't something magical, but it's a step. It's a step in the right direction. For those of you in the journey, in the storm, it's, today's a step. Be blessed as you go from here. Be blessed and encouraged knowing that Jesus is with you. He loves you. And He's got great plans and a great purpose for your life. Be blessed.